You're listening to Sunday Groove on Lillo Podcasting Network. I'm your host, David Sunday. This month, we decided to jump back to a little bit more Metallica talk. I know we did that for a while, um, the end of last year, and I guess early this year. And we took a little break with Foo Fighters and a few other things, but we're back with Metallica. And I'm back bringing back a frequent guest and friend, Andy Helene. How are you doing, man? Hey, hey, hey. It's Andy. Here we go now. Here we go to record Sunday Groove. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was trying to think all day how I was going to work in some um, bad James Hetfield singing without blowing my voice. Because sometimes I go too heavy into the oohs and yes and blow up my voice very quickly. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, tonight we're going to talk about um, a couple different Metallica things, but before we get into that, we'll do my normal segment, Current Spins, and that is sometimes current music, but also whatever is currently something I'm enjoying. So mine's like half and half, um, new stuff and half just stuff I've been enjoying. So Andy, uh, is there anything you've been jamming to lately that you've been enjoying? Well, yeah, usually um, whenever um, you ask me that, I'm usually like specifically like, oh, I have this one album. But lately I've been like all over the place because I've been dating a lady. And even yesterday we were just like song, 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 like all over the place. And it was like, so basically sum it up, Rod Stewart was one thing I listened to, Black Pumas, Wings. And then even like Tina Turner, and that was just in like the span of an hour last night. So I'm just oh, which like, particular Rod Stewart? Um, like about eight different songs. Okay. <laughs> um, like Downtown Train, uh, the Motown song, Young Turks. It's like just a whole bunch of um, his '80s stuff. But nice. Um, uh, but this week I've been listening to a lot of Pantera and a lot of uh, Metallica to talk about this episode. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it's basically been like 80s and metal. Nice. Yeah, I've had, uh, there's a few new albums that have come out um, and then just a few new things that I've discovered various ways uh, that have been on my mind. So I'll start with uh, Mammoth. Um, it's uh, Wolfgang Van Halen's band. Uh I think the album dropped oh here it is june 11th um but like there was a big build-up to it i remember knowing that wolfgang had something going on and then he released a single called the distance uh not long after his father died 
and like it just blew my socks off because it was such a good pop song and i had no clue he could sing um especially that well and so i heard that and i'm like this is really good so i really started wondering was wolf uh gang's band uh mammoth going to be a little bit more mellow and it's kind of a mixture of everything but it's geared more i guess probably hard rock is the main emphasis on the stuff but uh yeah it was really cool that he released that song and i know that song's kind of listed as just an extra track on the album because it wasn't even originally on the album but did so well that he's like well i guess i need to throw it in um just for those that might be buying the album for that song um but it's i have since lost my notes on where some of the songs take me uh, but like there are moments and like i don't at all say that he was trying to sound like these bands but there's a couple of songs that like the riffs sound so similar like just briefly to a few other things like there was one that reminded me of a juliana theory song it drove me crazy though for like probably 10 minutes i was just trying to find what song it was well first what band and then what song it was um and it's like so minimal it's one of those things where uh i don't know if you and i have talked about but it's so easy to have overlap with other songs considering that most songs are written with like four or five chords so i mean there's so many things you can do with them but at the same point at some point you're going to overlap a little bit as long as it's not the exact same thing and as long as it's not um like you know the vanilla ice doing under pressure with one extra note you know that's (laughs) that's where it's not cool but anyway um mammoth it's really good stuff uh i uh love the fact that it's hard rock but it's got really good vocals um so that's just something i've been enjoying um and he's got a really good drummer um garrett whitlock who was in tremani uh his side project for the first two or three i think the first three albums um but he's in the band and so i hope to one day catch them that i uh, catch them live that would be really cool yeah because wolfgang was with that like the first album right yeah he did um i think the same thing he might have recorded the first three but i know he toured the first album because when i saw tremani in 2012 wolfgang was playing with them and i got to meet him very briefly um because that was right before he started touring with uh van halen yeah because that's when i saw van halen was uh 2012 too oh wow okay um so yeah mammoth is a really cool project i've been enjoying that um uh there's another if my phone will wake up uh some other new stuff there's a song by a band called the warning um like a warning label and the song is called choke um it is a really cool hard rock kind of metal track by an all-female band that I'd never heard of until like two weeks ago, maybe. The um, Warning? Yeah, The Warning. Um, and I've only listened to maybe like three of their songs uh, because I... Uh, actually, no, that's half a full album, too. There's The warn- the Warning, uh, The Choke, and... Uh, Dust to Dust are both really good metal songs. Um, 
but I haven't done like a huge deep dive on them. I know on Spotify, like their second song, like second most popular song is in Spanish. So I'm, I guess, I guess they're Hispanic, like a, a band, but uh, it looks like most of their big songs are in English. But um, as we were going down their popular songs, I'm like, this is not English. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's a really cool band. Uh, I found it because I follow a lot of drummers on social media just to see um, people doing covers and stuff. And somebody played this song and I was like, hey, this is really cool. So, yeah, um, it's not something I can comment on a lot, but definitely if you like hard rock and you like a female singer definitely give out give the song choke it a uh, listen yeah i'll have to check them out and i feel dumb because i actually really want to listen to wolfgang the mammoth uh stuff but i have not because i feel like um i've just been so like head first into other stuff because how i just like i think you're like the same way as i am sometimes when you like want to listen to something you're like laser focused on that Mm -hmm. band or that album and around the same time um i just had a couple other albums that i bought and i'm like i'm just gonna dive into these first and i'll come back i'll circle back so what albums were those uh there was a few i bought because there was a guy uh charles bradley i may have mentioned him before he's like an old like soul singer and I found out about him because he oh. covered a Black Sabbath song. Well, I bought some of um, his albums on vinyl. And then Black Sabbath actually came out with um, a huge box set for their album, uh, Sabotage. And it had the album on vinyl. Then it had a concert from 75 on vinyl. So I was listening to that like the same week as Mammoth came out. And then I was diving into uh, stuff that I was going to do with the podcast for Brent. And then I was diving into this, and then and then I've been all over the place listening to like random songs and stuff um, with my lady. So it's like I don't know, it just was on the back burner. Understandable, it happens. Yes, we definitely have that in common. We get super laser focused. Uh, um, like lately, I've been all over the place, but still, like most of my attention has been on Metallica. Um, and but yeah, I mean that's how a lot of my themes happen with bands. Is just that I listen to like nothing but them, or like when I did the Miles Kennedy episode last month, um, for like a week, the main thing I listened to was just different Miles Kennedy projects. Oh yeah, um, that's something too that I almost felt attacked or something because I think like um, um, you had mentioned me on that episode and how I said, oh, it sounds like songs with Slash, but just with slide guitar, and I. I realized later, like after I said that, that I think those were the singles or something. And then like the back half of the album uh, was like way more like it sounded more original or something like that. Rain Down, I think. However, that song was Mm -hmm. Love Rain Down. That one sounded like that one was really cool. And you guys mentioned another one from the back half of the album. So I was like, I think when I made that initial assessment it was on the first half of the album and i was like oh it's kind of slash with like slide guitar but then the second half is just like he's almost doing his own thing right well yeah and it definitely didn't mean it as an attack it was just one of those few times that we uh didn't connect opinion wise on uh some of our favorite artists but i i get it because like 
I've listened to the album several times, well, tons of times by now, and by now, like, I don't even listen to the more rocking ones. I listen to the more acoustic ones, um, which I think are the stronger songs on there, um, such as Worried Mind and other things that we talked about on that episode. But it's, That was the one from the end, yeah, Worried Mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think with Miles so often on his solo stuff, I really like the more mellow stuff that he can bring out that or the um more acoustic blues um but yeah i do know who Je- charles bradley is i haven't listened to much of his stuff but i just googled him and i'm like it's who i thought it was yeah there's one that you might like that's kind of interesting um not to go too deep into um uh, this part of your show like before we get to the main topic but um, since I first heard of Charles Bradley from that cover of Black Sabbath, he's got another cover I found out from buying some of those things on vinyl. And he, he does an awesome cover of Neil Young's Heart of Gold. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's even better than the original version, too. Like, I thought his Black Sabbath version had more, like, soul uh, than um, um, Ozzy singing it. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, the same way. I was like, oh, my God, this song is just, like, amazing. Nice. I'll I'll definitely check that out. Um, so I, I I know I've mentioned before, like I get some of my music uh, from Spotify or recommend stuff to me, and some stuff I get off uh, Facebook in a little group that I'm part of where we share a lot of stuff. Um, but let me go while I'm thinking about it to the bands off Spotify because there's been some really cool uh, new bands I've discovered on there um, The Blue Stones uh, there's a song by them called Be My Fire um, it kind of reminds me of like of the Black Keys but like not completely it's um, definitely retro rock but there's just a lot of good stuff in there and they're um, just got a good feel there's that Shaking Off the Rust is really good um they looks like they've been around for a little while. Um, the yeah. albums I've listened to the most was their one from this year, which is called Hidden Gems, and then their album from 2018 called Black Holes. Um, and that's been pretty good so far. I think you might have mentioned those guys to me in the text. I did, yeah. Um, yeah, with Spotify was like, I. I know what he listens to. I think he'll like this. But there was that. There was another band uh, called Black Pistol Fire. Hmm. Um, oh no, is that the right band? That doesn't sound right for some reason. That is a song on my list, but um, yeah, I guess that is it. Uh, but I enjoyed several of their songs. Um, and then, hold on. Let me go back to that real quick. Oh, I know um, an artist I've talked about a lot on my show. It's been a little while, but uh, Lights, she has a really cool song that's pretty recent called Beside Myself, and it's a really um, fun... I'm trying to describe it. I cannot think of a good way to describe it. It's um, less electronic than a lot of her stuff. Um, It's kind of melancholy still, but at the same point, sounds upbeat. It's like it's like it's like the it blends those two together, which I really like. 
I think in the same way The Cure is almost like that. They've got like upbeat sounding songs, but then depressing lyrics or something. Is that mm-hmm. what you kind of mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lights uh, has a lot of songs like that, but this one in particular is just like, um, I noticed that it kind of had a melancholy vibe, even though it was very um, energetic. I guess it wouldn't work the other way around if you had like a really slow, sad song like sounding, but then you were all like happy lyrics. That would just be weird. (laughs) Oh, actually, there is something like that. There's a Kiss uh, tribute album from like the mid 90s where they've got like Lenny Kravitz, and I think he's doing like Strutter maybe or something like Lenny Kravitz. Oh, no, he's doing Deuce, and he's got like. Uh, Stevie Wonders on harmonica and then they've got some group it was like a one-off group where the bass player from like Faith No More and Tom Morello and I don't know who the drummer is but Maynard from Tool are doing a Kiss song and then you've got Garth Brooks doing a Kiss song well where I'm going with this is Toad the Wet Sprocket did a Kiss song and I think they really slowed down like rock and roll all night to where it's like I'm gonna rock and roll all night. I think it was like that, and it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, how can you do that that slow? You want to actually rock that out. Right. <laughs> Sorry, this takes me somewhere that's funny. I'll mention it anyway. Um, do you remember the singer? Uh, well, say, uh, she had a hit song, God, like, probably seven or so years ago uh rebecca black she had a song friday that was oh, like friday. Yeah. yeah 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 but there were like all these covers of it and like my favorite cover of it um was this very melancholy sounding with like he used like minor chords um uh, on piano and like slowed it down and it sounded so depressing <laughs> with the same lyrics but it was like <laughs> and it's like shot um so emo and everything like just the look and uh, i loved it because uh, i mean the lyrics are absolute garbage to that song i mean i understand she was like 13 so i'm not hating on her um like i know she's gotten a lot of crap for that song but like it's just <laughs> it's just so funny to see like i i had a tie between that and this uh church had done a version that they made it all the lyrics about going to church on sunday instead of friday and i thought that was pretty funny um but yeah the a depressing version of that uh also in that thread have you ever heard of the melodica bros no they um i first heard of them probably two years ago now they're uh, these two dudes from italy they're brothers and they're really big into metal so like they they love ghosts they love um god who else um just a lot of metal bands and so like to begin with like they were doing just covers of um dragon force and all this kind of stuff but what got them big was they started getting a big following and they would do weird very weird covers of songs so like i heard a what they called way too happy version of uh do host that and like they're like have kazoos in there and just like all this kind of stuff um and then like they've got um let me just pull them up uh and just as a refresher real quick sorry listeners if this is boring i just go all over the place uh sometimes um 
they, they have that song I'm Blue, da ba dee ba ba da or how you say it. Um, they did a gothic version of that recently. Um, but A gothic trying, version? Yeah, I haven't heard that one yet. Um, <laughs> they turned Guns N' Roses Paradise City into Hell City, and it's like um, like black metal, basically. Um, they've done a sad version of YMCA. They've done a prog metal version of Wonderwall. Uh, where is it? Oh, they also did a really funny um, cover of uh, Slipknot's The Devil and I, but they did it like with Christmas instruments. Hmm. So they, they just have a lot of fun. Um, like just really screwing with the sounds of it uh, and change, uh, changing the songs around. Yeah, sorry, I got us off the rails there, guys. No, that it's a mixture of me and you. I, I do it a lot. Um, so I've got some old stuff I've really been jamming lately to, uh, which was uh, the album Sunburn by Fuel. I went back and listened to it all the way through a few times. And are, are you very familiar with that album, Andy? Actually not. I haven't really listened to that album in like forever. But um, I like the one the um, that was the follow-up. What was that? Uh, I think it was something Some, like Human with the weird yeah, robot like face or something on the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah that's it's, still a good album. That's a really good album, but I think Sunburn, their debut is way better uh and it's i think you would really like it because there's several songs um between those two albums that kind of have a stone temple of pilots vibe um between a vocal effect he uses at times and um i don't know it's hard to pinpoint the exact things but it definitely really brings that to mind and i know you like stone temple of pilots a lot yeah i'll have to give that one a listen then because yeah I don't really remember much from that first album at all. I don't even think I knew well, about the first album until after the second one. Yeah, it was with me. It was the exact same time I heard of both of them because I know Hemorrhage was playing on the radios constantly, so I heard that one a lot. But then my friend made me a burnt CD, and he had off the first album Shimmer, um, Bittersweet, um, and the other big song off of that was Jesus or a Gun. Um, that's the one shimmer i was trying to remember that song title when you first mentioned yeah oh it's that and bittersweet are like two of my favorite fuel songs but then they also have really cool rock songs like ozone and stuff like that that are just like really heavy and really good riffs um talk about a band imploding like um in a very short period of time like that was 97 uh their debut album was then something like human was in 2000 and that was like everywhere um, between Hemorrhage and Bad Day and I'm trying to remember if there's anything else off of it. And then they did one final album uh, called Natural Selection, which was not nearly as good as those two albums. And then like they fell apart. And over the years, there have been different versions of Fuel. There have been uh, Fuel just without the lead singer, and they got a new lead singer. Then, like, the lead singer decided he wanted to start playing the songs again. So he was torn as, like, refueled and just with hired guns. 
And then like for a little while he got the name back and then he was just being able to tour just under fuel. And then now I think it's back to the guitarist um, being the head of it and trying to like find singers and stuff. Yeah. That was so weird that you even mentioned them. Cause last night I was laying in bed and I was scrolling. I was actually trying to keep myself awake or whatever. Um, and I was trying to keep myself awake and I was scrolling through Instagram and I passed something and it was a sponsored ad or something. And, uh, that fuel has a new album out or whatever. And I was like, Oh really? But it was the bald guy that was like in the band that you mentioned how it's like, he was in the band then had his own splinter group. And now he's back doing the band stuff. And I, so I was like, went down a rabbit hole of looking up that band last night <laughs> and I hadn't thought of them in years because there was like, I didn't properly meet that singer. What was it? Brett Scallions. But there was something Mm -hmm. uh, where it wasn't refueled, but um, it was when he got the name back and they were playing in Peoria at the heart of Illinois fair. And sometimes when bands would play like the heart of Illinois fair or like a small little venue around town, my boss would actually have me be a runner for the band. And I don't think the specific fuel show, they didn't need any kind of errands ran or anything uh, but I saw that uh, Brett guy uh, like behind uh, the venue earlier in the day, and I actually asked him. I kind of walked up to him. I'm like, um, I don't remember like the name of that third album. You might have mentioned it. Uh, Natural Selection. Yeah, I think there was a song, Million Miles Away. That was the only was. kind of single. And I asked him, I was like, are you going to do anything from that album? And he goes, nah, like, we're not going to do anything from that. Nobody cares about that album. And I was like, Man, I kind of cared about that one. <laughs> but, uh, oh, wait, I do remember doing something for the band that day, now that you mention it, because they had a guitar player, Brad Stewart, I think that was playing with them, who used to be in Shinedown on, like, the first two albums. Mm-hmm. And then they really took off, and he wasn't in the band anymore, but he was playing with that Fuel. And so I actually got to drive that guy to his hotel room and back or something. And... He was actually kind of cool, but I didn't ask him anything about Shinedown or something because I didn't want to like I didn't really want to bring anything up because I knew he wasn't in that band anymore, so I didn't want to say anything. But I was like, "Hey, man, that's cool. Like you're gonna be uh, playing tonight or whatever." But I actually got it was the first time I ever got a set list from a show, so I guess that's where I was going with that. So that's my Fuel story. I got a set list. Nice. Yeah, the Fuel definitely has like the a laundry list of different musicians in it like uh, i'm looking at it and i saw brad stewart's name and knew it was familiar i could not remember where it was from until uh clicked on a rap like seconds before you said um because like the the main songwriting force for fuel was between brett and uh the lead guitarist carl bell and um but it's just like i don't know i love brett's voice and i just uh it's kind of hard to listen to the fuel stuff without his voice have no clue if the new stuff is actually good i just i know i like <laughs> the the early fuel and that's just what i want yeah. but it's just kind of crazy the that at one point they both were touring under different names but it's like so it's like do you really want just his voice because you have to get that under refueled but <laughs> if you if you want um the guy that wrote the riffs uh with a new singer then go see fuel Anyway, uh, I always found that interesting. 
Um, and then, so uh, the other older thing that's really been something I enjoyed a lot this week was the album Integrity Blues by Jimmy World. That is an album I bought when it came out and I enjoyed it, but I feel I love it more as time passes. Um, I've mentioned before, um, I deal with anxiety um, fairly often. And sometimes like I'll be in the shower and just trying to figure out what is going to like energize me that morning, but like not be too, um, I don't know, too rocking for first thing in the morning. Cause like sometimes like metal first thing in the morning can just like trigger some anxiety with me or like, especially if I'm running behind. So like, I want something just good and like, uh, melodic. And so integrity blues came to mind. And so I just listened to the entire album a couple times this week. And, um, is that one you remember very much about? That's one that, um, I think, I think we were talking about doing a potential episode involving that album. So maybe I should, should I save my opinion for later? You can, if you want to. Oh, well, I'll just um, throw it out there now. I guess I love the album um, before that uh, called Damage. So That's I, right. Uh, so I guess I slept on Integrity Blues, and it wasn't what I really wanted at that time. Uh, but going back to it later, it is a really good album. It's just like I was like, man, I loved the album before that one. So mm-hmm. like I was wanting something in that space or something. I think Tim Capel and I, because you talked to him about Jimmy Eat World for an entire episode before, mm-hmm. and uh, he's almost kind of the same way. He was like, the album, I think, before um, Damage, called Invented, that was his, yes. where he's like, I love this album, and then everything else beyond that hasn't really matched up for him. Right. And so mine might have been Damage, but I actually do really really like all their albums like since invented i almost like that more than the uh, previous era right weird. but yeah it's like integrity blues uh is the more melodic side of them mostly but there's a wonderful song on there called pass the baby that just builds and builds and like it's almost like the heaviest they've been like towards the end of the song and i just love stuff like that but it's a great album if you've never listened to it it's from 2016 uh, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, it just hit me the right way this week. So that's one I've just come back to like at least twice this year. Um, so I just want to throw it a little love. Uh, I feel it's one that gets kind of slept on because it didn't have any huge hits off of it. At least not that I'm aware of. Except, well, uh, to kind of build on that thought, I think it's actually the first time I remember hearing them on the radio in a while because uh like for me with jimmy eat world i remember them we're like the same age so i remember like the middle being huge like in high school oh yeah stuff and then i ended up getting that album but i don't remember anything after that like i think people hold like futures to this high regard and it was like a hit and stuff but i don't remember hearing anything on the radio from that album uh, so I didn't know it was like as big as it was, and then uh, there was really nothing on the radio from like Invented that Tim liked, and there was nothing at all from like Damage that was on the radio. But Integrity Blues, they actually had two singles that got played on the radio here. I don't know if they were national hits, but they at least got um, some airtime when they were released. I can't remember the 
to it was, it was like, probably you with me and maybe sure and certain oh it was sure and certain but it wasn't you with me it was another one like that uh, i'm trying to remember i might have to cheat and look at the track listing right now i'm cheating so that's uh it was something like was it get right get right that's right because i remember there was a weezer song called get right around the same time or something but yeah those those two i think got a little bit of airplay and uh i remember um at that time too jimmy eat world like i didn't i don't think i saw him on that tour but they came and performed here in peoria too and did a quick little radio thing where it was broadcast like they performed some acoustic songs at a bar in a back room and it was broadcast over the radio and they did those two songs and i think lucky denver mint and like the middle oh wow and that's all they did i think it was off date between tours and they must have been passing through the area so the station manager got them and they played in the <laughs> afternoon too nice well, I guess we'll get into the topic, and well, the first half of the topic is uh, Metallica did a movie in 2013 called Through the Never, um, and I remember when the movie came out, I watched it and was kind of underwhelmed with the movie side of it, but like definitely enjoyed the performances, but then I kind of forgot about it until you brought it up, uh, you brought it up a few times, and so it was just a happy time that it's actually currently streaming on Netflix. So if you want to watch it, uh, you can definitely see it there. But um, over this week, I've just been enjoying listening to the actual music from it, uh, all the great live performances. Um, now, did you see this one in theaters uh, through the Never? Yeah, and I was like super hyped up for it. So maybe I think that's why I keep mentioning it, like or championing it, because... I saw it in the theater and I loved it. And like, um, I ended up getting, cause the radio station, like had a bunch of promotional materials at the time. So I think I ended up getting the soundtrack on CD. I got a sticker. I got a little mini poster, like 11 by 17 poster that I've since given to a friend. But then there was actually a big full movie size style poster, like the 20 some by 40 inch thing that was in the studio and it was signed by the band. Like they must've signed a whole bunch of them and sent them out to radio stations. And that was in the studio. And I'm like, I want this so badly or whatever, <laughs> but it was like signed in black Sharpie. So you can barely see it. And I ended up getting the poster somehow because I asked my boss and he's like, well, I don't know. We want to like leave it up in the studio, but I'm like, who's going to see it other than the DJs and this other guy, Ryan, uh, I think I asked my boss like two or three times and he was like, give me some roundabout answer. And Ryan's like, like, you should just take it. You like want it. And I was like, all right. Like, so maybe I outed myself. I don't know. But Ryan, Ryan told me to take it guys. So, <laughs> and now it's above my bed. So I'm actually displaying it proudly. Nice. Yeah. It's one, I think in my area only played like on one or two nights. Like it was very limited in my area. If, if memory serves, and so I did not get to see it in theaters. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the one time I've watched the movie, I did it on just your regular TV speakers. So I probably 
hurt the movie experience a lot with that because like one thing that made me connect with the soundtrack the past two weeks has been listening to it with good headphones mm. and being able to catch all the wonderful bass drum and bass guitar and just like all that really well this week so um definitely i think if i'd seen it in theaters it would have hit better because i remember like really quick side note when i saw Zombieland the first time in theaters like when for whom the bell tolls plays like i just went like freaking nuts like it was um so exciting to hear that just on loudspeakers you know <laughs> with uh that kind of power that just that's how metallic is meant to be heard like it's See, because I think, yeah, maybe you missed out on the experience that I had. Because when it was first released, it was released like 3D IMAX. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Peoria doesn't have like a true IMAX. Because I think a true IMAX isn't the screen is almost like kind of like curved. Yes. Something like that. Well, Peoria, they just have, because I think at the time theaters didn't always, the screen didn't go to the wall. So this, they just kind of expanded it a few more feet on either side to make it go to the wall on the sides and on uh, the top. So they did a fake IMAX or something, I think is how the story goes. But that one, I was like, it was a Saturday, and I remember going at night, and uh, usually, like, I don't know if you have a favorite, like, spot in the theater where you sit. Like, do you usually sit in the oh, same yeah. spot? Um, One of two spots, yeah. Uh, so I used to be, I would always love to sit way in the last row. Mm-hmm. Well, for this one, I was like, there's always that like floor section that nobody wants to sit in the floor section, but just sit down there sometimes if you show up late and you need a spot. Well, I right. was like, I want to sit in this floor section and just like look up at the thing. And that's basically what I was doing. I sat in the floor section, like the last row of the floor, and it's kind of like up. Um, it's like raised up one little notch on that last row before you get to the main uh, seatings. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have a crick in my neck looking at it, but I kind of like leaned back and I was basically, I felt like I was like, the movie was like the size of a billboard and I'm like looking up James Hetfield's nose, like, or something. <laughs> it was just huge and the sound was like loud and it was in 3D. And I was just basically like the guy at the start of the movie where he's jumping on his car going, Metallica! I was like <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Did you scream metal up your ass and all that kind of stuff that you have to scream at Metallica shows? Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't scream because I was in a movie theater. And I didn't want to, and <laughs> you should you're supposed have! To be, you're supposed to be quiet in there. <laughs> but, but yeah, like I was screaming on the inside. You should have been one of those meatheads that like smashing beer cans on their head and all that yeah. kind of stuff that you see in the front rows at all the festivals and stuff. Really um, made it a concert, like how, yeah, it would have been 3D, like here comes some beer flying at you. <laughs> <laughs> God, that makes me think of um, back before 3D was such a thing, uh, going to Universal Studios and um, they shoot the liquid metal man and then they spray water on you to make it feel like, uh, you know, you got the liquid metal on you. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. So yeah, they could have done that with beer, and it would have been a unique experience for Metallica. Show. Yeah, <laughs> but no. So that probably made you feel like you were at a concert, though, with yeah. being that close. Or somebody should have lit up a joint, you know, made it like an actual <laughs> concert experience. <laughs> yes, that would definitely. That's definitely part of it. I remember um, smelling a joint for like literally maybe five seconds before like the security team went to that area when I saw them. Um, in a giant arena years ago, 
I'm like, yeah, y'all are probably going to get caught, or at least that area is going to get um, tons of security guys because it was an indoor thing. So um, that smell travels really quick. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so with the movie, you said you weren't as like it was like the story part you weren't as into it, but the like the, like the music side you were right. Yes. Yes. Anytime that it was uh, the drama, it just didn't connect with me. Um, but when it was the actual concert, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Cause you know, they had the fire and everything going. So even on a TV that looked awesome. Um, I, I think the same way, like I wanted more of a story, um, uh, too. Cause I thought, well, it's in the movie theater, so it's going to have a story. But then as I watched it and then leaving the theater and you're thinking about the movie, I remember thinking, I was like. Well, that totally wasn't the point. I think maybe the point was, like, they have this huge, like, movie budget. So they use that more to, like, have a huge concert, right? Right. Yeah, so so it was more just about having a big budget and doing a concert film instead of... And then the story was kind of, like... It was almost, like, just kind of, like, a filler. Yeah, and it was weird to me because... I remember the like the lead actor, like he was kind of blown up at the time. So I don't know. I just felt like there was gonna be more to the film, yeah, side of it too. Yeah, because um, he was in the Spider-Man movies at the time, or yes. at least the second one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was the the new uh, Harry Osborn. Um, at the time, I thought he kind of looked like David Bowie or something. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so I thought he was gonna be big, and he hasn't really done anything since then. No, he said a few things, but it was like I think it was Chronicle that he was his first thing he did that was big. Oh, that's and... right. That was the found footage thing where he had a superpower, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, for a little bit there, it seemed like he was gonna be like one of the biggest star stars, and I think he's still doing things, but it's just kind of low key. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah, Dane DeHaan is his name. They actually um, did something too, where I remember around that time, I think was it Comic Con or something, Metallica. They did a secret set. And the band they just had it listed as like Dahan or something. And Metallica played a set, I think, at Comic Con under that name as a fake band. And then it sounds like stuff Foo Fighters would do or something. Like, you know, like a incognito right. set. And it's like, whoa, the Foo Fighters played that? I didn't know that. Like a secret show. Right. Hmm. So, like, I'm looking at the set list uh, and setlist is so good um i mean it's great versions of creeping death and you know i just mentioned for him the bell tolls which i adore um also really nice to hear ride the lightning played because that's one that doesn't get played nearly as much yeah that was cool with the big what are those coil things or something where they have the lightning above the um um, the guys playing i thought that was a cool little visual Mm -hmm. song too Um, uh, the one that stands out for me from the set list is like cyanide because we talked about death magnetic before and I was saying that I really love that stretch in the middle of the album with cyanide and like all like nightmare long and stuff. But at the time I wasn't really as into cyanide. And I think a couple of years later when through the never came out, I just absolutely love that song because I think it, really lends itself to being a concert song, but I don't know if they do it that often anymore. Yeah, I don't know. It's got such a 
featured bass groove on there, which reminds me of like Devil Dance from uh, Reload. And that was such a great concert song. And I think the same thing too was that was the best part of the movie because like Cyanide lines up with that uh, uh, the riot with the cops and the weird freaky like Road Warrior people mm-hmm. or something. It just kind of amps you up, and there's that big like you know brawl, so it does pump you up. It's like they should just do that song all the time, right? I think they should just do more from Death Magnetic in general. Yeah, like it felt yeah. like right after that album they. You know, of course, did several songs in the set, and that's the tour I saw them on. But most of the time, when I see set lists now, there's very little from that time on their sets. Yeah, that's why I was kind of glad too. We already talked about the SNM too, but they did a couple from that, so it was cool that they did bring it back at least for that. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if you noticed this or not, or if it was—I can't remember. I think I've watched the movie more than I've listened to the Through the Never soundtrack. But isn't there something where um, it always made me laugh? Like, James's intro to Cyanide, he's like, he, like, basically wants the audience to sing along, and he's like, you'll know the part. But that's not really a sing-alongy song, I feel like. It's like <laughs> right. Isn't, isn't that in the intro? He's like, sing along, Metallica family. And it's like... I think so. Yeah, like, what are you going to sing along to that? <laughs> right like, it's not like song... a master master you know you can sing along to that or like shout master or like die for like you know creeping death but there's well, nothing remains shout where you could do the the da 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 yeah. that. <laughs> it just always made me laugh it was just weird I'm gonna have to listen to that one again to... but yeah I do remember there being something like that in there It it still annoys me that they didn't use the song through the never in the soundtrack yeah. or the movie at all because I like that song a lot and it never gets used. Um, Is battery but, one they do a lot in concert? I don't remember, but that yes. was kind of cool that they did have that in there too. Yeah, they, I'm pretty certain they played battery at the show I saw um, in twenty. What was it two thousand nine? Yeah, because you hey, saw him on Death Magnetic. Mm-hmm. It might have been 2008, somewhere in there. Um, whenever they played Atlanta, I saw them. Because I remember annoying a, a girl I was dating at the time with Death, like, because I was how obsessed I was with Death Magnetic. It's like all I talked about for like probably a month. Hey, man, it's a good album. You just got to talk about it. It is. So and... you have to deal with it. <laughs> I also another song from this album too, the Through the Never soundtrack, that um is kinda like Cyanide that I kind of maybe overlooked before was Orion at the end, mm-hmm. where they kinda play it and it's not really part of the concert. They're just kinda playing it and chilling. Like aren't they kinda sitting in a circle? or something and they're all wearing sunglasses and they're playing that and I'm like that version I think it might just be maybe Robert's bass or something sounds punchier to me or something right that always stood out to me more too um, from that set and had me kind of uh, kind of revisit Orion as like oh yeah that's a good song that I overlooked right well and they even played the song in Justice for All (laughs) 
they never play that. Yeah, at least I think they the... had the big Lady Justice thing. So they, it was like, I think yes. they did that because they had the prop, right? I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I yeah, have that movie. That I bought that movie, uh, but um, when it came out, it was a two-disc thing. And I loaned it to someone. And usually I'm very particular with loaning stuff out because I was burned before. And I got burned on that one because I loaned it out to somebody. And uh, I think at the time, this was about five years ago, he was like, oh, it's on Netflix, so I'll just give it back to you. And I'm like, yeah, but Netflix doesn't have the second disc with the extras. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll keep the second disc. And then he, he, he did. He actually kept it, and I never got it back. Luckily, when I loaned things and it was like a really significant amount of time I did eventually get them back I remember Greg had my version of S&M for probably like a year and a half straight um, but luckily I was able to get that back from him I think it's like the only album of theirs that I don't have the actual album I just had the DVD of oh I was going to say maybe that's one good a thing to get away from physical media or it's like a good thing to still have physical media is because when some of that stuff goes off Netflix you still have it Right. Well, and like you said, a lot of times the special features aren't on there. Um, yeah, I was actually looking up the Blu-ray on Amazon, and good grief, there's several different versions, but it's pretty expensive. Oh, yeah, because I think they released it as a 3D thing, too. You could get the 3D, and then that might have had a regular DVD, and then like the second disc of the extras... I didn't get that. I just got the regular Blu-ray thing. But like, right. Well, is there anything else from that one that you want to highlight? Um, I don't know. Just that, like, a couple of those ones that really stood out to me. And then you already hit the through the never. Didn't have through the never. I do think though, when I remember watching the movie, like for the first time like one of my things was is I I don't know why other bands don't do stuff like that uh, or maybe they used to do that but it's like how come other bands don't release huge like concert films like to uh, screens like that probably just for fear if it's not going to make enough money um, like I said in, in my area from my memory I want to say that was one of those things because it was an IMAX thing. I think they only played like on a Thursday or some crap like that. Like it was very limited in a more rural area. Um, yeah, there's there was... only been very few instances that I can remember of that happening, but I think it might have happened maybe more before they had like DVDs or it was readily available. Maybe they did it more often. I haven't researched it, but I do know. Um, because when I'm sitting right now in my apartment, I've got a Foo Fighters poster uh, from when Back and Forth came out. Mm-hmm. They had a documentary like premiere of that, and you could watch it one night only in the theater. And then they did a live uh, performance or something of uh, the entire album of Wasting Light. And then there was a couple years ago, they had, like, I saw Roger Waters do The Wall on tour, where he did uh, the whole album start to finish. And then it was like, I think I saw that in like 2012 and it wasn't until like 2015 or 2016, they finally put together a concert movie and then they had that one night only um, 
here in Peoria, and I went and saw that. So I think, yeah, sometimes maybe they are just very limited, like, screenings. Yeah, and I imagine, like, only, like, really big bands can afford to do that. Um, Because I imagine there's a little bit of risk involved, depending on how much money you're going to make off that. Yeah, because I could see, I don't know, I could see Iron Maiden. I don't see why somebody, another metal band like that, who has very visual music, I don't know why they wouldn't uh, do something like that, or at least have a mini kind of uh, movie kind of thing, story to go along with it. You could easily do something like that. But yeah, maybe it's a a money thing, like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I I see that doing really well in like Europe. I don't know how well that would do in the States. Um, Because it just seems like metal is so much bigger in Europe than it is here. Yeah. And now that you mentioned it, I don't even think, yeah, through the never play. I think it might have just played the two weekends here. They had the one weekend where it was in 3D, and then it was regular uh, the next weekend, and it was gone. So it's like you had to just go there. Right. Then. Yeah, I remember that there was something that prevented me, and I think it was just such a limited thing because I really wanted to, but it just didn't work out. Um, But let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into a little bit more Metallica, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back. We're going to talk about more Metallica, and what we're going to talk about is Hardwired to Self-Destruct. What are some of your thoughts on this album, Andy? Oh, you're making me start off? Hmm. I, mean, unless you, I mean, if you want me to start, I can start. Uh, um, initially, I was kind of torn on this one because um, it it wasn't right out of the gate. I didn't like, you know, hate it like St. Anger. But I was just like, I don't know how I feel about this. Because like, I think the first song like released was Hardwired. And it sounded really, really thrashy and short. Like They really had like a quick, little, concise, little three-minute like thrashy song. And I was mm-hmm. like, I want them to do shorter songs, but I don't like the early thrashy stuff as much. Right. And I think then they might have put out a, like Moth Into the Flame. And I was like, okay, that's a little bit more what I like. But, like, then I kind of didn't like um, Atlas Rise, and I kind of didn't like a lot of the second half of the album because it was, like, two CDs. Right. And I felt like I only liked half of it. But a lot of it's really, really, really grown on me that um, I feel like the stuff that I didn't like before, um, I guess I just overlooked it. Um, so it is stronger uh, than my initial opinion on it, but it's not like, I don't think it's like my favorite. Like it didn't blow me away. And I think I was maybe a little bit uh, kind of, I don't know if you remember some of it, like when it came out, they were saying like right away, this is Metallica's comeback album. And I'm like, well, what about Death Magnetic? That was like a comeback yes. album. And, uh, but I think you hit the nail on the head that there was such a long gap like there was what eight years between this album and hardwired and really between saint anger and death magnetic there was like four years 
maybe five. So there was a gap, but it wasn't that long. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that's why they were saying it was a comeback. It's possible, but there are some fans that really don't like Death Magnetic for some reason. And so for some, they, they think this is their return to form. And I, I'll just say it right out of the gate. I still prefer Death Magnetic over this album. Um, yeah, this one didn't blow me away, whereas like Death Magnetic blew me away. So maybe it was kind of like the same thing. Maybe the Jimmy Eat World example I used earlier, the one before it, I hold to a higher regard. So this mm-hmm. one had maybe a higher hurdle to jump over, and maybe that's unfair or something. I don't know. Unfair, like, expectations I'm putting on something. Right. Well, another thing that hurts the album to me is there just doesn't seem to be as much melody as they incorporate into Death Magnetic. Like, even though they proved on Death Magnetic they could, you know, still be thrashy, they still had, you know, uh, The Day That Never Comes and um, Unforgiven 3 and stuff like that where they were had more melody focused. Whereas this one's them once again proving, hey, we can still play 80s-style Metallica songs. Huh, maybe maybe that's why people, like you're saying, maybe some of the diehards didn't like Death Magnetic because it did have the lighter moments and this is just like full throttle, like rattle your brain, and maybe that's... Um, they were like, okay, we finally want to give our fans what they want, so we'll give them this. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, like you could be hitting the nail on the head with that too. That, that's only thing I could think of. Um, Cause like, yeah, I liked it when it came out, but I didn't listen to it for very long. And it's one I go back and forth with from time to time. I actually got back into it after SNM two came out. Yeah. Um, Cause I've been playing a couple songs off of it on that. Um, yeah. Cause one that stood out to me and I think I mentioned it when we talked about that was confusion and that's on, like mm-hmm. I said, the second half. So maybe I overlooked it and I was like, God, that is an awesome song. I would put it right. among like my favorites now on the album. What do you feel about Dream No More? Do you like that one? Mm, it's okay. Um, that one, um, like, I think the two, I'll just highlight it now. The weakest one, I feel like, is is Murder One, even though it's, like, supposed to be, like, I found it was a tribute to Lemmy or whatever. I was like, I thought they would have been, like, something more, like, Rocky, but this almost sounds like a throwaway song. I actually enjoyed that most recently. Oh, um, huh. the, well, the, the two wrong. that just—I don't know. Like I thought, no, Atlas, no, you, uh... <laughs> I thought Atlas Rise and Murder One and Man Unkind were kind of weak. And I would say Dream No More is all right, but in Hardwired, and eh. but the ones that I would highlight are Confusion, Here Comes Revenge, Now That We're Dead, Moth in the Flame, and Halo on Fire. Those are like oh. my like favorites. For me, I gotta throw in some love for "Spit Out the Bone." I love that one. Um, Moth in the Moth into the Flame. Now that we're dead, and Atlas yeah. Rise are my, my my favorites probably. Huh. So, huh. So we're oh, and here comes split. revenge. Yeah, here yeah. comes revenge. Is like that was like the highlight for me of that uh, second disc. But now I would say confusion maybe edges it out. But here comes revenge was just really really awesome. Oh yeah, like there's one we didn't mention because you mentioned "Spit Out the Bone." Am I Savage? Every time I listened to that song, because it came out in 2016 when I was on a rock... I'm on an alternative station now, but I was on a rock station, and my DJ name was Andy Savage. So I'm saying 
instead of <laughs> M.I. Savage, I always would go, Andy Savage. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so every time I listen to that song, I just throw in Andy instead of M.I. It's the same amount of syllables, too, so it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my notes on Dream No More just went no further than, um, for, to me, it just kind of sounds aimless and boring. I just, it doesn't do much for me. Is that the one that's um, like, Cthulhu Awakening? Yes! Yeah. Yes. Du, 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 du. It's kind of like they're trying to do like a sequel uh, to the thing that should not be. But oh, well, yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's kind of, yeah. It's okay. I'd say it's in the middle of the album. Like it's not like one I hate, but it's not one I love. It's just kind right. of in the middle. Um, yeah, I remember when I heard the title track "Hardwired," I was just like, I, it didn't really grab me. Um, it's just kind of a fun throwaway song. Um, and I know lyrically, maybe think it's like, oh god, is this going to be Saint Anger again? Um, yeah, yeah, really. Because it just feels just together. that. Because I thought the whole album was just going to be really, really short songs like that. So I'm glad it's just like one song and it's not the whole album being like that. Right. And uh, one thing I really like about this album is the deluxe edition um, because they included Lords of Summer, which was just kind of a. It's not a great song, but it's a fun, just jam song that came out in between Death Magnetic and this and was like played at shows and but it was nowhere officially so it was cool that they like hey if you buy the special edition you'll get that song then they have the Ronnie Rising medley which I guess that's all Dio songs is that right? Yeah yeah oh yeah that's actually like like Ronnie Rising it's more of like stuff from like Rainbow his his band he oh. was in Black Sabbath for two albums. Then he did Dio in the 80s. Well, the Ronnie Rising stuff is like... Um, they had an album, Rainbow um, Rising. And I think they do like Tarot Woman mm-hmm. there and like another one. So it's all the uh, old old like Rainbow uh, stuff, which is really cool. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'll... that that's actually... I listened to that. A third disc, the deluxe um, disc, actually more than the album when the album came out, like in twenty sixteen. Me too. I was rocking that disc because it has that, and then there's some live stuff on there that's like the old eighty stuff that they were doing live. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also got uh, when a blind man cries, which I'd heard them cover acoustic for one of the bridge show, uh, bridge school shows, um, but I'd never heard like an album of that. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then Remember Tomorrow, I don't know if that's a cover or what that is, but I like yeah. that one pretty much. Yeah, it's actually an Iron Maiden song from Iron Maiden's oh. first album. And it's kind of, that was something too, like how um, I had said like Orion and like Cyanide got me to like look at songs I might have overlooked. Their version of Remember Tomorrow, like when I first got into Iron Maiden, I wanted all the Bruce Dickinson era, which is the guy that basically took over from their third album on. He does more of the operatic stuff. Mm-hmm. And they had a guy that was kind of like a punk kind of singer. And like, uh, they had a little bit more of a punk attitude to him, even though they were like a metal band. And they had this guy, I think his name was Paul Diano. He was on the first two albums. And I kind of didn't want to like that era. And I didn't really want to listen to it. But then um, hearing, hearing Remember Tomorrow, I was like, like you, like, well, what song is this? And then I was like, 
oh, it's Iron Maiden. Okay, now I'm going to go back and listen to this um, earlier album that I didn't um, listen to before. They're so. a band I really need to listen to more because I remember um, Miles Kennedy did, uh, covered The Trooper when I saw him back in yeah. 2017 or so or 20 whatever year that was year of the tiger year um <laughs> i think it was 2018 um, yeah yeah i think yeah it was um and i remember getting confused like I, I knew the song but i didn't know who it was by for some reason i was thinking it was the guns and roses song and then when i saw it was a iron maiden i'm like oh okay that's pretty cool i would say if you're gonna listen to iron maiden go for that third album the first one with Bruce Dickinson. It's like Number of the Beast because it's got like Number of the Beast on there and it's got uh, Hallowed Be Thy Name and I think I think there's another one too that's like a big um, song that's on there. I can't think of the name of it right now. Run to the Hills? Yeah, Run to the Hills is on there. I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say it was the Trooper, but it's not. That's on the next album, like Peace of Mind. But yeah, Run to the Hills is on there. So you might know it might be the most familiar one, that's why I'd say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I definitely know uh pretty sure I know the number of the beast, and I definitely know Run to the Hills. Yeah, because that was where I started too, because like there was one guy that was like it was like ten years ago, he's like he burned the entire Iron Maiden discography at the time for me. And he's like, here you go. And I'm like, well, I didn't start from the first album. I just jumped into that like third album and how right. my name was awesome. Yeah. I think I listened to a little bit of their first album. I want to say Brent put it on his list of debut albums. It was me. Um, oh, it was you. Okay. <laughs> it was God, me. I'm crediting the wrong person. <laughs> Because I listened to the Prowler and maybe maybe you remember, remember tomorrow. I can't remember for sure. That's been a bit back. Um. Oh yeah, there is something else with this album too. Uh, that like I thought was kind of funny, and I totally forgot about it until we were going to talk about it, and then it was just this, like, a memory just came in my head. Um. Do you remember hearing this? Like when they were, um, writing, um, Hardwired. Uh, Kirk, he like he lost his phone full of riffs. Yes. So he didn't contribute anything to this album. And then you had told me stuff like you were you keep trying to convince me to watch uh, this some kind of monster movie. And he's like a surfer dude. And I was like, maybe he was surfing and he lost his phone in the ocean because it's almost like <laughs> how do you how does anybody lose a phone? We're so connected to our phones, right? That it's like right. How do you lose it unless maybe he's like a millionaire and he's got just an extra song like how i think off the air we were talking and i say i write notes uh for podcasts and things um using pen and paper but you use a laptop and if you're thinking of something it's just easier for you to like type it down so maybe right. he's got an extra um phone where if he's like running or surfing he just dictates something like hey ba 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 i got this riff in my head and it's going to go dug 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 so then he can come back to it later in the studio and try to like play it. I don't know. Maybe he's got something like that going on, and that's how he lost the phone because it's a backup phone. I just imagine it was. Um, I don't know how he lost it, but I just imagine he um, has like a really basic setup when he's touring and stuff like that, and just plays 
and records off the guitar just onto his crappy little phone just to have record of it just to remind later um but why he wouldn't back that up i have no clue yeah that would be <laughs> it's like how do you how do you yeah how do you lose that what or did somebody find his phone and had a hit album because they stole all his riffs or something <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty funny i remember there was one or maybe dave mustaine did that he stole his his phone <laughs> so he could write the uh um hit album or something i don't know um, there there was one interview I saw with James where he just uh, kind of rolled his eyes and dismissed like he didn't think that Kirk had those ideas. He just, that was his excuse or something like that. I'm like, dude, if, even if you think that, don't say that in an interview. Like, <laughs> like are you trying to start feuds again? Like, like uh, y'all seem to be in a good place. Well, not ever that I think everybody really had problems with Kirk or Kirk with them. At least not that he voiced. But, um, He's just he's just throwing Kirk under the bus just to throw him under the bus or something. I guess so, yeah. Oh, here's here's something else with the album because I actually grabbed it and set it out on my table, um, just for like uh, to jog my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, I had bought it on CD when it came out because we talked about the three CDs. It was like last year. I think I was at the mall and Fye had like a deluxe version on vinyl like it was supposed to be like 70 bucks but it was marked down to like like 45.99 or something like that I said, and i was like i'll just buy it on vinyl uh sure but like um i don't know about you but looking at this album like i do not like the album artwork at all no i hate the album artwork it annoys me yeah because maybe that's why i didn't want to like the album either when it came out i'm like this is gross and now i've got an even bigger version of the album artwork and it's, <laughs> and it's so gross i'm like Ugh. yeah well, maybe that's what people thought when load like came out and they're wearing eyeliner or something right i'm like why do you have these weird contorted like i don't know poses or something well like do you screams. know what the album cover art is for load and reload um yeah one's like uh semen and one's like piss and blood or something or yeah something. and they one... put it between panes of glass i think yes right? uh yeah load was um i always thought it was flames i always and, thought it was fire uh, or something. me too and then another one's semen and blood i think yeah. or semen and urine or whatever um but yeah, I thought it was fire for the longest time. When I heard that, I was like, "Why the hell?" And I think that was one of those Lars things, um, yeah. where he thought that was so cool. Um, it is kind of interesting, like artwork, or it's unique for an album cover. But yeah, it's like what? What? Yeah, when you're you find just, you're just trying to be uh, out there for the sake of being out there. Well, it makes sense when I see some of what Lars is into art wise. Um, because that's something in some kind of monster. There's <laughs> where it shows a lot of his art that's obnoxiously bad, but it's that stuff that's so bad, but people think it's so great. Um, and people pay like millions of dollars for the. To me, it looks like what a kindergartner would make, um, like a depressed kindergartner. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> a depressed kindergartner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just like a depressed, non-talented artist, but for some reason, it's a well-respected one, and they sell for ridiculous prices. But yeah, I remember he's talking about that in that movie, and I'm like, I, I don't really see how this is that great, but... Yeah. 
so anyway, my point is, I think uh, Lars has very unique <laughs> thoughts on art. Yeah, so, then it's weird too, where like the cover of the vinyl is different from the cover of the CD, and I think the cover of because there was a three CD and a two CD, and then the vinyl, and I think all three of them are basically different um, covers, but they're still used within the same booklet because I think the um, the one for the CD is like a a sleeve or something that they used. Yeah, or something. I think they still use it just on the inner sleeve, but then they put it on the front for the other version. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, kinda. It's been a while since I've opened up the actual physical album. Um, my CD player actually died in my car the last couple of weeks because I was just gonna listen to the CD version, but instead I'm like, oh, I'll just go to my phone. Um, because I haven't taken the time to replace the CD player yet. Oh, man, I'm looking at it, too. I pulled the CD out from the vinyl box. Yeah, the Ronnie Rising medley was featuring A Light in the Black, uh, Tarot Woman, and Stargazer, um, which are both uh, from that uh, Rainbow Rising album. And then um, I think Kill the King is from uh, their uh, third album. Uh, Yeah, so, man, I need to go back to that medley. Yeah, I enjoyed it earlier. I think it was yesterday I listened to that. Um, they do have good medleys because the King Diamond or the Merciful Fate medley was oh one my that God. we highlighted too from that one. Yes. Um, I like I laugh at the lyrics because uh, it's just like throwing in Satan randomly uh, in those songs. But like musically, it's so good. Um, and the, yeah, it's one of my favorite things. I remember Greg and I, um, we got the metallica guitar hero game mm-hmm. and that was one of our favorite things to play was the um was the medley i kind of like how they did include that bonus disc too because like we said it was our favorite thing but i think it's the same way as like with the uh, like garage ink they were doing new covers and they're like all right we're gonna make a bonus disc of all of our old covers and mm-hmm. they kind of like released uh whatever they had in the vault and made it available and now they were kind of doing the same thing where they're like all right we've got uh these other covers and that lords of summer we're sitting on let's just put it all out there so it's kind of cool um that they make everything available to their fans they don't kind of sit on stuff really right or they do sit on it for a while but i mean everything eventually comes out Mm -hmm. i just think at some point like if you have this stuff put it out like it's kind of like uh when Alterbridge did their O2 show and the third disc was all their rarities finally together and like that's not one of my favorite shows like as far as the audio of it but the it was worth it for the uh, all the b-sides yeah like just having everything because I actually looked at that CD the other day and I was wanting to put it in my car because I forgot about some of those like a cruel sun was kind of a cool song. It sounds different than you can kind of tell. It's like a really, really early song because it doesn't sound like what they would sound like later. But right, I want to go back and just listen to the different, like you know, uh, the evolution of their sound. I guess. Right. Oh, it's it's really cool. Um, yeah, there's definitely at least one or two songs that were off the first disc. You can tell that just didn't make the cut. 
just because the style was so incredibly different. But yeah, um, as a whole, it's a fun album. The one thing I will say about it, and this is not me casting shade at Metallica, but I feel like they need a producer. And I remember this one, they credited it just as Metallica producing it. And I feel that could have hurt the album a little bit. But like, I think they need somebody to kind of challenge them a little bit. Um, and I actually had a little thing I wanted to say about, um, I know people will hate on load and reload and uh, talk about like that that was them selling out. But I really, I feel like load and reload were some of their most creative moments. Um, I mean, yeah, there were songs such as Fuel um, that were, you know, obviously going to be hits. But there were a lot of weird things like Ronnie and Outlaw Torn and Mama Said and Fixer and like all these just things that you never would have thought of would have would have come from Metallica. Um, so I don't know. I kind of yeah, I really. Wish... I feel like like I wasn't like we've talked about all the other Metallica albums, and I'm not like trying to uh, throw shade at you, but it's like um, here, but. We've talked about the other albums before that, like the Black Album and then St. Anger after it, and now like Death Magnetic and Hardwired. But those two albums, like Load and Reload, I feel the same way. They're not, like, sure, maybe I was too young at the time to be a fan growing up with them and then having those. Like, that was the Metallica to me when I was growing up. Uh, I don't feel like they sold out with those because... I feel like selling out would be like if they did release Mama Said as a single and and put that out on radio and tried to have a hit, but it's like buried near the end of the album or something. And the singles were like uh, King Nothing and like uh, stuff like that that still rock. They're not trying to have mm-hmm. like a country hit on their hands. That That would be selling out to me, or at least my definition of selling out. Or even to me, would it be like if they just tried to do the Black Album over and over again? Like if that's what they just decide every album should sound like, because that you know is still their largest selling album, and I don't know. I just I feel it because they got so much crap um, for load and reload, and then of course rightfully so from Saint Anger that they now just think they have to do '80s style, and I love '80s style, but me, my first love for Metallica is gonna be their '90s stuff, and I yeah. really miss the melody. And just the ability to have a five-minute song um, and not feel like that's a bad thing. Like, I just think that should be on the table. I think it should be, like, whatever they want it to be, you know? I think they should be able to feel free to do that without people making such a big deal about it. Because they have proven that St. Anger was a fluke as far as, you know, that (laughs) crap of an album coming out. Like, that they still have the ability. But, like, why does it have to just be, let's just do more thrashy songs it's like no let's do some of everything that you do let's do what you do well you know or that was something too like what you said about maybe they need to have a producer because halo on fire i'd love that song i think that that might be like quintessential metallica it's got like uh all the parts of a song that if you're thinking metallica it's got all those parts like whatever like we threw in everything in the kitchen sink this is what metallica is but then when you listen to it it's like an eight-minute song, and I'm like, it it should only be, like, a six-minute song. It doesn't need the whole, like, back half where they keep going, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you can kind of chop it up a little bit. I think that would be my only complaint with, like, Death Magnetic 
and like now hardwired it's like they've got the sound i like the sound on the albums it's like yeah they didn't need to like you know beat you to death Mm -hmm. (laughs) every song um so i know we're talking about the other metallica stuff but have you seen the um list of all the covers that they are doing for um the black album reissue yeah that's actually like it's like like they have 52 artists so it's like so there's like six different covers of like each song like uh but it does sound cool like uh there's like jason isbell like did a song weezer did a song there's like all these artists so it is going to be kind of cool to at least hear it when it comes out i don't know if i'll buy it but i'm at least interested to listen to it Hey, hold on a second. I, I somehow muted you. Hey, are you still there, Andy? Yep, I'm here. Sorry about that. Can you say what you were saying? We were talking about the new one. They have like a lot of covers. Yeah, but, there's like um, 52 um, artists. It's like the Blacklist, right, is the name of the album. And then there's like uh, at least six or seven different uh, versions of each like song. And some of the artists that come to mind are like there's like Weezer and Miley Cyrus and Jason Isbell and like Chris Stapleton. Yeah, I was really excited to see Chris Stapleton on the list. I don't think I'm gonna buy it, but I'm at least um, interested. It's got um, it piqued my interest to at least check it out when it comes out. Yeah, I definitely don't see me buying it because um, that sounds like something that's gonna be insanely high price because of all that, and there's gonna be so many that are gonna probably not be that great but there were there were several really interesting sounding ones just in the teaser for it so yeah i've gotta gotta check it out that was something Um, else too because it was just this week it was after we'd already planned this episode and then they announced the blacklist but then they announced the black um album box set and that's when when they put out the other ones before this like injustice for all and master puppets that everything had a huge box set and i'm like I want a huge box set for the black album, but this is actually too much stuff that I actually don't want it. So I was glad that like, I didn't want to give Walmart any money, but back in like January, uh, they put out like five or six like metallic albums with different colors on vinyl and stuff. And mm-hmm. the one I got was the black album and it's some like smoky looking black, uh, swirl. And I'm like, I just thought I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy it now and not spend $200. Um, just so I won't be uh, tempted to spend money on it and now I'm glad that I at least have it on vinyl and I'm not because there's like I think there's like what 20 CDs and like at least a dozen like um, LP or like vinyl discs in there and it's like I don't need like all that you know I don't I don't need like 16 um, demo versions of like through the never right yeah that's too excessive or something i'm really excited but one of these covers is uh rodrigo and gabriella um they are covering the struggle within and the, I don't, do you know who they are no they're um this uh hispanic uh duo that do kind of really complex acoustic stuff uh, or at least what I've heard of theirs was that I think they played Conan years ago, but yeah, they're doing struggle within. So it's going to be interesting if that's going to be 
oh. you know, a, a acoustic yeah. version of that. And heck, there's even the Neptunes did Wherever I May Roam. Oh, wow. I'm, I want to hear that, but Isn't I cannot that imagine Pharrell that. Pharrell Williams? Yes, that's his, yeah. uh, one of his first bands, because uh, he had that and N.E.R.D. Um, but yeah. Um, oh, here's oh, something that... else um, that you just triggered a memory talking about acoustic stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would do it at all, but like how they did uh, blackened acoustic and then they did the acoustic uh, show we talked about, the um, oh, yeah. Helping Hands. I almost wish they would just do some kind of stripped down album like that. That would be really cool. Um, I, I would love just to hear Load and Reload done that way. Not like Better Than You and those kind of songs, but like, um, but there's just so many songs that would translate, I think, well that way. I think people would just lose our minds if Metallica just like, you know, played acoustic uh, guitars. Because even that show, they did uh, half and half, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I think people just would lose their mind if it was all acoustic. Like, what's Metallica yeah, we'd be, doing? We'd be the minority being super excited about it, and everybody else would be like, we want the heavy. Metallica gives you heavy. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those ridiculous things that James loves to say. I also love it in um, S&M 2 that I was listening to at one point. He's like, do you want us to play some more? And they cheer, and he's like, well, we were going to anyway. And it's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what kind of banner is that? Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, you're an hour into this show. I hope you're going to play more than an hour. Um, people pay that much money <laughs> to come out and see that. They better see more than an hour. Um, he needs to take notes from Paul Stanley's like stage banter. <laughs> well, I think I wonder if he still doesn't know what to say because so long he was drunk at all the shows, and. Like if you watch the really old stuff, I mean, he's just saying like absolute nonsense, and then spitting beer at people and everything. And so I wonder if like he just like doesn't really know what to do without that. Maybe, yeah. Because I know like that's one that really resonated with me when some uh, in some kind of monster this watch through was. They was just like I don't know what it's gonna be like touring. He's like it's really terrifying. He's like because I've never done it sober. Um, so. Um. I don't know. I I still think some of the songs from St. Anger could have been salvaged if they had taken a big break. Um, Because I still think there's some decent moments there. But um, definitely the tuning issues and the drum issues would have had to have been fixed. I don't know if there's any save in that. No, I don't think it'd been a good album, but I think it could have been way better. Uh, no, I don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it. I mean, because you know, you hear how great "All Within My Hands" acoustic was. Yeah. Um. So oh yeah, that one like, is okay. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a couple of Mike could be somewhat salvaged if Lars would play a regular beat and not just try to show off. But anyway, I'm not here to crap on Metallica. I obviously love Metallica, but. We have issues like a lot of people do with some of their stuff. Um, I think that makes you more of a fan if you're actually do. Um, if you're an opinion and you can, you don't have to like everything, but you got right. an opinion on why you don't instead of just 
oh man, I love everything. Or like, oh, well, I hate that because it's not what I like or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you why I got so excited to watch some kind of monster again. Uh, another podcast I listened to, they covered St. Anger recently, and that's what got that back on my radar. Um, it was, I can throw them a little love, even though I know they're on hiatus right now. Um, uh, it's the Brother Sister Rewatch podcast where they originally did The Office, um, but uh, when his sister had a baby, he did two filler episodes with a friend about music. So he did um, St. Anger and then he did the new Offspring album. Hmm. Um, but it was really fun to hear a different take. And they're, I think, like three or four years younger than we are. So they were a little bit younger when St. Anger came out. Um, so I don't know if that influenced their views on it or not, but I definitely think being a adult when that came out definitely <laughs> heard it with us for sure. Yeah, because maybe maybe it's the way that we felt about Load and Reload and they feel about Sane Anger or something. like. Is that what it was? Was their take kind of like they were a little bit unbiased? Um, no, I mean, they still hated it. Oh, oh um, okay. But there was just, I can't think of the details. There were just some things that they brought up that we didn't. And I was like, that's kind of cool. I um, wonder if there's anybody that's a Metallica fan that that's their favorite album. <laughs> I'll throw it out there again. If there is someone listening to this podcast that likes St. Anger, reach out. I want to know. And at the very least, we'll shoot some messages back and forth. Because I am just curious. Because, I mean, the... The rule of the internet, if, if if you can think of it, it exists. I imagine that would come with that as well. Like, I imagine there are people that do like it. There's not many, I imagine, but still, I'm just curious. Um, so I, I know I've meandered all over the place, so I should, I guess, just wrap this up. Let me bring up my list one more time. I think I have um, that influence on you. Because you seem, when you're with Greg, you seem like really concise. Because I listened to the Miles Kennedy episodes. <laughs> you guys were like really concise. And now I'm a guest. And it's just like, we're going back to St. Anger. We're going back like five, six episodes ago. We're talking about <laughs> all all sorts of stuff. So I'm sorry. I just take it off the rails. I just guess. No, I just no. Um, have that effect on people. What a lot of it is, I think. Um, but, um thank you for listening uh let me give you my uh handles to reach out because i'm telling you to reach out and i didn't tell you how um it's at sunday underscore groove underscore on twitter and sunday groove dot lillo l-i-l-l-o on instagram obviously if you're listening to this you probably found it on the lillo podcasting network part of any podcasting app pretty much has it um but I love having feedback and, um, you know, if you want to share it, that's cool too. Um, Andy, uh, my co-host uh, also produces my show. He has his show, a sides. They've covered a lot of different things lately. I know they within the last month covered white zombie, which actually got me to listen to them, which was very fun. Um, yeah. What <laughs> um, what else do y'all have? You have, do you want to share with them what you have coming up on that? We, um, the white zombie one was the last episode that we did about two or three weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer now, uh, when this one gets posted, 
Uh, but um, show's not really on hiatus. It's just because, like, summer things and summer vacations uh, kind of just uh, kind of caused a gap. Uh, but we're working on some more episodes, and we were playing in, like, Pantera coming up. We want to talk about Stone Temple Pilots because I threw out that because they've got a reissue uh, coming out. Oh, um, which one? Uh, they're um, currently going through their catalog and, like, reissuing stuff. And this year, I think it's the 25th anniversary of Tiny Music. So they've got oh okay that reissued on vinyl, and there's supposed to be, like, a bonus disc with a concert, uh, like a full concert, and then some, like, demos. And so I thought that might be a good tie-in to an episode, and we're working on more interviews. So we're in the works, uh, but people can find that at A-Sides Podcast on Instagram or it's A-Sides Podcast on Facebook. And, um, yeah, so so that's currently what we're doing. We're just kind of um, figuring things out now. Nice. Um, yeah, I've got some ideas planned for my show. I just haven't... Um... As typical, I haven't planned a whole lot, but I have like ideas, so hopefully I'll start that back soon. But um, thank you, Andy, for joining me, and I will catch you listeners down the road. <laughs>